I would snort and inject these opioid painkillers and they would give me such a temporary high that I would do anything and everything to get my hands on them. But it went too far and I couldn't stop. Real life starts now. This is Real Life Radio Show with On Leg. I felt alone. I felt lost. I felt scared. Real stories. I was so desperate in living such a dark and callous life. Real people. I was thinking there was no purpose for my life. There's no reason for me to be here. Real problems. I told my dad, if you try to take these drugs, I'm going to kill you. One solution. God. Hope is a person, and his name is Jesus. And now your host, On Leg. Hi, this is Evangelist Don Lay. Welcome to the Real Life Radio Show, where we're going to talk to real people who had real problems, but found answers in a real God. Lately, we've been talking about the epidemic of the addiction to prescription-level opioids and what it is doing in our society, and even more so, what it does to an individual person's life. Now, you wouldn't think a painkiller would be anything dangerous, right? But painkillers now are being used in an illegal way in society because of the power of this drug to activate the reward or pleasure centers of the brain. This drug is a serious problem because as someone becomes addicted to the high of these painkillers, it can lead to an addiction despite the consequences of the behaviors used in order to get that next high. The reason why it's so dangerous is because of the unusual overdose numbers that happen with opioid addiction. In our last show, Luke Thompson described his addiction to marijuana and then it eventually led to prescription painkillers that he'd crush up and snort up like cocaine. He would find himself living for that drug and high. Today, he's going to share more about the difficulties he experienced being hooked on the painkillers. Luke, welcome back to the show. Thanks so much. Luke, your testimony is very interesting because you are literally right in the middle of all this drug use. And I understand that you got into selling it. You were selling marijuana and doing anything you could to get more opioids. Tell us about that. Yeah, so I would say I probably wasn't the best drug dealer in the world. There's a saying that monkeys can't sell bananas. (laughs) I pretty much just sold so that I could smoke for free all day, every day. Wow. I mean, that's a lot of selling because I was smoking a lot. But as far as how to know what kind of person would be into weed, you know, living in a small town, like you kind of just find out about people and, you know, you can hint around and stuff like that. But I mean, people tend to have a look as well. I don't know that I could really describe the look. So you were able just to like target people and know who wanted to buy. Okay, like I have no clue for me, you know, but you were able to kind of identify and know who was using and who was not and who to bring it up to. Is that right? Yeah. And honestly, where I was living at the time, like a high percentage were using and starting to use. Wow. And if they didn't, they weren't going to go like tell on you. You asked them or, right. you know, talked about it. Right. So yeah, it was definitely not the best town. Okay. So you're selling it now and you're trying to get more money also for the opioid addiction. Is that correct? So at the beginning was just selling the marijuana and later on, yeah, I would sell the pills, Wow. you know, whatever, just to kind of keep the cycle going, so to speak. Wow. Just try to stretch it. Like my paycheck would be gone. I would owe it out to people before I even got it sometimes, but I would do better for a couple of weeks or months and then I'd do worse. And it was a lot of ups and downs and, you know, I would try to learn and do things a little bit better. Wow. So it was all about getting the money. Really? Yeah. To do whatever to get the money, right? Yes, sir. Now, as you're getting into using opioid painkillers to get your next high, I understand that the tolerance level grew quite a bit as you're using this drug. Tell us about how tolerance for the drugs looked for you in the day-to-day life. 
Yeah. So when I started like a five or two fives, this is like Percocet fives, very, you know, low milligram Okay, would get me feeling pretty good. And it progressed to the point where was shooting four 30 milligram oxycodones, which is like a higher strength okay. at the same time while smoking weed, while drinking, while, you know, anything, just think of it like as enhancements. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I would do whatever combination, but when I started, it took about $20 to get high for the day. And by the end of it, I could easily spend three or $400 in a day. Gosh. So the tolerance level grew quite a bit there. Yeah. Like you're needing more in order to feel the same. Yeah, and I would just mix different drugs together, you know, because three or four hundred dollars is a lot of money. Yeah. And I'm not saying I did that every day, but that was the goal. Wow. So if I came up short, you know, I mean I was stealing, I was selling, I was scheming, like you name it, I was doing it. So this is a moment where this is not normal behavior for you, scheming, stealing. This is where the drug is literally warping your normal behavior pattern, is that right? Yeah, so like I was raised in a Christian household. Oh, wow. And I knew better than to do all this. Now, I understand there would be times that you would quit both marijuana and the opioid use, but then you fell back into it eventually. Tell us about that. Yeah, I can remember times where I would literally just sit on my couch for days at a time, withdrawing, literally wanting to die, feeling totally horrible, and thinking, you know, I'm going to get clean, I'm going to do it. And then I would get money on like the fourth day and I'd go get high. And then I would do it all over again. It was like, it was a never ending cycle of like tormenting. And a lot of it, I would say, I didn't want to get completely clean. What I wanted to do was to beat the system of the withdrawal. Mm. So if you go a long enough period of time without doing it, then you don't get sick without it. But I was like, when I start again, I'm just going to do it. Like I'll get high for two days in a row and then I'll take three or four days off and I'll get high for two days. (laughs) You know, I have all these systems. I tried all these different, you know, outbreak equations. I'll call them. Yeah. You like, you feel like you're in control. It's almost like this false sense that you're in control. Is that right? Yeah. Then I just had to keep, you know, changing the variable to try to, you know, get a better outcome. Wow. Now, so since this was a prescription drug, I understand there were times where you could not get it. So what was your thinking in these moments? Oh, it was the worst. There's like, I would say majority of drug addicts can relate to this, that when you have money, it's really hard to find it. Hmm. And when you don't have money, everyone's like, Hey, I got some. Oh my God. And it's like, it just literally drives you nuts. You think of doing horrible things, like definitely things I was not raised to do, stealing and just crazy things. Yeah. I mean, the withdrawal symptoms, if somebody hasn't been through it, like you literally want to die, you can't sleep, your whole body's like restless. Jeez. You feel just like lightheaded. And I mean, actually, it's been 11 years now, so I don't even remember wow. some of them, but I can tell you it was like having like really bad COVID all day, every day. Oh, gosh. But you have something. If you get some money, you can be healed instantly. So, of course, you're going to want to do that because you're in extreme pain and you're just in writhing pain. Exactly. Wow. So, I understand that the drug addiction caused you to become very desperate to get money, to get the drugs. How desperate did you become? Like, did you ever try to hurt yourself in order to get the prescription drugs? Yeah. One time I hurt my hand in a fight and I actually took my hand and began to beat it on the dash of my brother's van trying to make it worse. So I would definitely get a prescription. No way. So you saw getting hurt as an opportunity to get the drug? Yes. Yeah. But I robbed my grandma. Like I stole a wedding band. I mean, I did all kinds of just horrible things. Oh. You know, it's very 
sad that that's where it got to. But when you don't care if you live or die, you don't really care what you do to other people. Yeah. You know, I would feel bad. Like I really would have remorse and like, I didn't want to hurt people. Like even, you know, I did an armed robbery and I literally felt bad. You mean armed robbery? Okay. Like holding someone up. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. Yeah. Now I understand it got so bad that you got hepatitis C during a time when you started using needles to inject the prescription pills right into your blood. Tell us what happened. Yeah. So I was always too afraid to shoot myself up. So I would have a friend do it. Mm. Really was only like two people. Once I was to the shooting stage at the end, it was really bad. And I really stayed to myself. I tried not to associate with anybody like that besides you know these two people. Yeah. But one of them had hepatitis C and I did oh. get it from them unbeknownst to me at the time. And you know, they acted like they didn't have it. But I talked to them afterwards years later and they said, yeah, they had it. But oh. I went through the treatment and I don't have it anymore. Yeah. Thank God. But seriously, though, I mean, it's a very dangerous moment, but you didn't care, right? It gets to the point where when you're using, you just don't care anymore. It's just all about the high. Is that right? Yeah, honestly, like I knew that there was definitely the possibility, you know, them having something, but it didn't matter in that point. Wow. Luke, let's stop there. I really want to learn about what happened to you in our next show. I understand Jesus set you free from all of this craziness. So thanks so much, Luke, for being transparent. And I'm looking forward to seeing you again. Oh, it's my pleasure. Don't go anywhere. I'm going to share with you my thoughts on this right after the break. Hey guys, it's me again. Let me be real and upfront with you. People are calling in and getting saved and set free by the power of the gospel that is preached on this show through powerful testimonies. I remember one night I was working the phones and a man in about his 30s called in. He was a business owner who was addicted to cocaine and he was living in California. He said he was driving and he heard our show about a former drug addict and he felt convicted that he wasn't living his life right and he gave his life to Jesus that very night. To me, this is a powerful reminder that God is moving through this real and raw show to touch the lives of others. Will you help us reach other cities all across America? You may be able to donate maybe $5 a month, maybe $10, some of you $25, maybe more. Anything helps. Help us to spread the gospel to America as we are believing for a great harvest of souls for the kingdom of God in this time and in this era. But we can't do it without you. Don't just sit there. Go to awakeningthenations.com and join the movement to get these testimonies to help others. More real life starts now. Welcome back to the show. We're going to go deeper into what you just heard. So what do you think about this? As I'm listening, how is it that Luke got so desperate that he was trying to inject this stuff directly into his veins and totally exposing himself to very dangerous blood-borne diseases? Is it that he just wasn't taught very well when he was younger? No, I think it's something different. Think about the power of these drugs. They're able to convince mankind to do something that's painful and something like weird, like snorting something into the nose and to think that's pleasurable. You see, these dopamine releases are able to get someone to do opposite of what they think would be pleasurable. And how he described the withdrawal was very fascinating because it's like he couldn't get the drug and the drug like penalized him and made him pay after having all that pleasure. And if I look at this, it seems quite spiritual. Now, I know this is like, you know, a scientific physicality involving negative feedback centers that are inhibited by opioids, suddenly kicking into full gear and releasing a whole myriad of pain into the body. But if you look a little deeper, it's like how things are described with the enemy or Satan. You know, Satan is always trying to offer a shortcut in life, temporary pleasure that will later have to be paid back in pain. Kind of like getting into debt, having all the fun shopping up front and then paying with a lifetime of slavery to pay back the original loan. 
You see, it's written in ancient scriptures of this concept. Proverbs 22, 7. The rich rule over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. Listen, I know this is a financial proverb, but think about it. This drug did a loan to Luke to avoid the pain and brought temporary pleasure. And then in the end, boy, did it make him pay. And the drug addiction in itself in the Bible doesn't say that drug addiction is sin anywhere, but it is sin because the Bible does say that indulging the flesh is sin. It's written in 1 Peter 2.11. Beloved, I beg you, as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. You see, this verse is written for Christians, warning them to abstain or to run away from the wants and the desires of the flesh, which is the body. And it says that it wars against our soul. That means, naturally, our body wants what's not good for our souls. And you can see this battle that's going on in Luke's body. In Galatians 5.17, it's written, For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. You know, this is revealing something here, that in all of us, this battle exists. Father God, I'm praying for the person who knows very well this battle and is losing. Father God, we repent of these things. Help us to turn to you, the one who brings true fulfillment. Lord Jesus, illuminate our lives for us to examine in Jesus' mighty name. I hope you're blessed by this testimony, and I know that your life was touched. Did you know we have a Facebook page? Just search for Real Life Radio Show on Facebook and find out more about Real Life Radio guests, schedules, and events. That's Real Life Radio Show. See you next time.